Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. The disappointment we felt um, after the game Saturday, of course, is still there. Um, life has to go on. Um, don't have a whole lot of answers for why we played that way. Uh, but when you when you don't play the way you think you should, uh, you evaluate the video, which we've done, and uh, you make the necessary corrections that you feel like you need to make. And then you start getting ready for, you know, a Rutgers team that's uh, that's probably anxious to play us. And that's where we are. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. And before the year, I was so pumped about these Mondays with Mike. Mike Carpenter get to talk every week about Illinois football. And Carp and I have so much experience talking on Mondays about bad Illinois football games. Carp, I thought, and I'm wrong, I apologize. I apologize at the start of my column on Saturday night. Um, I thought this was going to be a competent team. I thought this was going to be a competitive team, but... In a battle of 0-2 teams, Illinois gets blown out 41-14 to against Minnesota. And I know where this conversation is going today because it probably should uh, go this conversation. That's why I wrote my column on uh, Saturday night just saying this isn't good enough. Um, the title of it was Unprepared, Undisciplined, and Uncompetitive in Year 5. And that's not what you want to see out of your coach, and it leaves huge questions we're six weeks remaining. Uh, we won't get an answer for six weeks, but uh, I think a lot of people like yourself, Carp, uh, are jumping off uh, and, and looking towards a possible new coach. And, and that's what Lovey Smith has to do the last six weeks is try and convince you guys and convince maybe Josh Whitman that it's worth coming back for another year. No apology needed. And here's why. I mean, and I, Lon was high on them. A lot of guys were. And, and I think that you were probably careful when you were writing about expectations for this team to say they could do this, right? Based on the personnel that they have and it being year five, they could do this. They could go five and four. And you know what? Those are still fairly modest expectations for the schedule that you have, the fact that you are in year five for Lovey Smith. And instead, what you have is arguably the worst team in the Big Ten. And it's, it's a scary place to be when you consider Rutgers. Yeah, they lost to Ohio State, but you know what? They look pretty competitive doing it. So that's a one and two team that at least feels better about their position than you feel at 0 and three Penn state. You know what? James Franklin has a track record where I'm guessing they're going to be okay. Right. <laughs> but you see the Indianas of the world. And I know that's a bit of an aberration, but it does make you long for a rebuild that actually works. And instead, I don't know if it is, you know, in, in the end of the last couple of years under Tom Allen, they've been, you know, bottom three in the big 10 East, but they always find a way to compete in games. And, that's the thing that is so disappointing. Like, Carp, you can go into that game. You know it's the four-string quarterback, right? You know you're missing some key pieces in the secondary now with Nate Hobbs and Marquez Beeson out. 
but you you didn't even deserve to be on the field with them. And that's an 0-2 Minnesota team that has a terrible defense, and you punted your first four possessions, and they had forced two punts the entire season. Uh, defensively, um, it was just atrocious. And while you were missing some pieces in that secondary, it still doesn't explain why you just got run over in your front seven. And I think this team is more talented than it's showing, and that that goes back to coaching. It does. And I would agree with that. I think that the individual pieces are there and we see them in these fleeting moments, but there's no cohesiveness. There's no collective whole that you can look at and say, well, the coaches are getting the most out of these guys. And that's why I was very careful on, on Saturday. Uh, we were going to do a post-game podcast and we were looking forward to those. And then the game had already gotten away from Illinois midway through the second quarter. And I texted the guys and said, I just, I got to record this now. Plus, I want to enjoy the beautiful weather and not have to think about this crap. And that's what I did. <laughs> that's a sad and place be- to be for an Illinois fan. right? It is. It is a sad place to be because I think that back to the idea of modest expectations and now knowing that the schedule that you had in front of you was even easier than most of us would have anticipated with Minnesota being down with uh, Nebraska being whatever they are. And I know that speaks to Northwestern and how good they are too, but you have winnable games on that schedule, but it's all for naught. And it's a sad place to be in year five when you are the get right game for other teams. You're the get right game for a Minnesota team that was 0-2 and couldn't stop anybody. And then they hold you to 14 points. You're the get right game for Rutgers. Yeah. For Rutgers, you're an underdog for the first time in what, four years? Deservedly so. Rutgers is a favorite in a Big Ten game. And yes, I will pick Rutgers this week um, because I I think I'm going to figure it out. We're going to talk with Lovey here in 30 minutes, so maybe I'll follow up in a postscript of our conversation, Carp. But, you know, I know everyone's excited to get some players back. You know, Doug Kramer, Isaiah Williams, Keith Randolph. I have to confirm when those guys get back because if it's not until Thursday, I think you're rolling with Karan Taylor again. Right. Uh, and that doesn't give a lot of confidence based on what you were last week. So I, I do have to say the caveat. And I, I and I mean this. There are six games left. And while I don't expect Illinois to do well in these six games, there are six games left. You're bringing some players back. They found a way to change the script after last year's Minnesota game. Right. And all of a sudden, Lovey Smith's back and people are excited going into this year rather than dreading it. Um, so they do have opportunities, but based on what we've seen, there's no reason to believe that last year will repeat itself because last year's four game win streak is by far the outlier of the Lovey Smith era. And I think we would know if this was an own three start or, or, or let's actually go back and say that, um, you lose the Purdue game, you lose the Minnesota game in slightly different fashion. You mentioned the fourth string quarterback and it is worth mentioning. That's not a small thing. No. But you were incompetent on so many other levels that it doesn't ultimately matter. And I noticed this on Saturday watching that game, how Illinois falls behind 28 to 7 and thinking, when was the last time that Illinois had a good first half performance? And you, you have to go back further than the Michigan State game. In fact, last year, the one good first half performance that you had Purdue. was Purdue. Yeah. And that was the only 60-minute game. I say this, and it's going to sound ludicrous after you beat a top-five Wisconsin team, but I I had a friend's wedding that day. I didn't get to experience that. My favorite moment last year was the Purdue game. I know it was boring. Tony Adams pick six, yeah. Yeah, it was 60 minutes of competent football. From the gun, you were the better team, and that felt so good because we have not seen that with Lovey Smith's teams. And after a while, when you come out that flat time and time again, there's something amiss. Yeah, no, that says preparation. Right. And that's what concerns me a lot right now is the first half of games, Carp, 
you've mentioned it. Like, when's the last time you had halftime leads? Those haven't happened very often. And while you could say talent, well, Lovey Smith is responsible for all the talent that is on the roster at this point, and I think they're underachieving based on their talent. Um, they are down 73-24 in first halves this year. Um, teams are attacking them right away, scoring right away, getting up two touchdowns, while Illinois' offense on the other side, uh, so defensively they aren't executing and aren't prepared, um, and teams are attacking them knowing what's coming and having exactly what they need to attack Lovey Smith's defense, which seems pretty predictable at this point. But then offensively, and I'll give Rod Smith, four-string quarterback, you're starting a former walk-on offensive lineman, understood. But you punted four times to start the game against Minnesota's defense. That's, that's not good. Uh, that's not good enough where you're not being able to have success. You have all week to prepare, and that's what you're coming out of the gates with. Usually you come out of the gates with your best stuff, right? Well, Illinois is not even giving itself a chance, really, to compete in these games. It took Karan Taylor having a huge fourth quarter uh, to even have a chance against Purdue. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's certain moments, too, and I this is – kind of being arbitrary here, but take the third and goal from the 50. And I know that it takes a lot to get into a situation like that. And even good teams have found themselves in those sort of fluky positions in, in any sort of football game. But that just seemed to indicate to me just this level of incompetence. And, and again, uh, recognizing fourth string quarterback, he made a mistake. All of a sudden you're back at midfield on a third and goal. But after but good a while, teams don't do that. Right. No, and, and like, after a while, 12, you just find ways 12 yeah, sorry, penalties, 12 penalties for 120 yards. Yeah. You can't be bad and undisciplined, right? Like you can't, you can't do both those things at the same time. And, and Lovey Smith's teams have struggled with penalties in the past. Sometimes that's youth, but even last year they were 13th in the big 10 season long for penalty yards per game. And it's like, okay, all of this stuff, you just keep adding it. And, and at some point, it's not going to turn around the next year. It's not going to turn around in two or three weeks when, when you get a few players back. There's some real program issues here. And, and for me, one of those huge ones, Carps, is, is Lovey Smith's defense, right? Um, I think everybody's fear was that you don't get as many takeaways, and they've gotten some takeaways this year. Forced fumbles, and Devin Witherspoon had a pick the other day, and Jake Hansen's awesome at it. Awesome for Jake Hansen. But um, this defense is not working at the college level. And, no, and talking not. with people who are football smarter than I am kind of confirm what I think, which is he does not have the talent to run what he wants to run. you got to have dudes to be able to cover the middle of the field, to be able to rush the passer with only four down defensive linemen. I think you have to have a little bit older, smarter guys who are more disciplined, too, to not bust in some of your stuff. Um, but also teams know what's coming. They, they are not shocked. They are not surprised by anything that's coming at them. And I don't think Lovey Smith tries to, to change it up all that much. He actually was aggressive early last game against Minnesota with some blitzes, but then he kind of got away from that. And then that's when Minnesota kind of opened it up. So uh, this is coming from football people smarter than I am scouts and, and analysts and all that. And they say th this defense is just not working and, and we've seen it not work now for five. Years. Well, it's not, I mean, you don't need to be an expert to see it either. And if you ask me, well, Carp, well, what is it about this defense? What are their, uh, you know, vulnerabilities. Well, the middle of the field is obviously one, but you look at the third down conversion rate for Minnesota, especially in the first half. And that was my signal. That was my, I have better things to do. So let's record the podcast and move on with my day, yeah. which is exactly what I did when they converted, I think three consecutive third downs in an average of like 20 yards on each of those plays. And after a while, the scary thing to me, it's twofold. One, that defense is still getting takeaways. As you said, that masked a lot of issues last year. 
and yet it's not able to overcome in any way, shape, or form the other issues that the defense has this year. It's, it's far worse than it was last year. The second thing is more to do with the team in general, and this is maybe anecdotal. It's maybe kind of projecting a bit, but there's a lethargic kind of vibe around this team. I'm not close to them. I'm clearly, And obviously, as media personality, you guys aren't able to cover them as closely this year either, but there seems to be just a lack of I got a text. Energy. I got a text from a parent at the game, right? And they said it looks like the team quit on Lovey on Saturday. Like in week three. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I don't know if that's going to continue. And if obviously, but like if, if some, if a parent is thinking that, <laughs> that's an issue. And, and that's what we're going to find out. Uh, last year, I thought. At two and three, after getting clobbered by Minnesota, after going down twenty-eight nothing, I mean, me, us in the media in the press box were sitting there going, "Might have to think about a coaching change, right?" And then all of a sudden they come back, they show some life, and then they turn their season around. So that is still possible, but it's going to take a Herculean effort from Lovey. It takes, it's going to have to take a better effort from Lovey because what he's doing is not working, and even even he admits that like he has to admit that he has to know that. And and what does he do about it? I, I have no idea. I don't know if there's enough that can be done. Well, to me, this is the concern kind of going back in the recent history of Illinois football. So I'm 34 years old, but really for football, it's been probably 20 years since I've been following it closely. And if there's been one common mistake that we've had as a football program, it has not been letting go of guys too soon. It's been holding on to them too long. Mm -hmm. The uh, biggest examples of that would have been Ron Turner after he goes one and 11, two years after the Sugar Bowl. They bring him back and he goes three and eight, but what does it matter? That's one lost year of recruiting. And then you copped him one more year after that, right? And he went... Oh, and 11? it was no, no, no. It was okay. So Sugar Bowl, then five and seven, then okay. one and 11. And then his final season was three and eight, 2004. Okay. And then I think he, they would, they almost beat Northwestern the last game of the year, but they missed a field goal or something like that. Gotcha. And then the next day, Ron Gunther made the move. Ron Zook, similar situation where I would argue, and I know that this is the big thing. Why did we ever fire Ron Zook? Because well, he wasn't listen. good enough. <laughs> exactly. Right. But if, but the argument, I think in hindsight, would have been instead of the Band-Aid on a gaping wound by getting the coordinators, you should have made the move in 09, and you would have had the talent for a new coach to come in and probably have immediate success oh, yeah. and build that in their own recruiting momentum. And Ron so Gunther would have hired him, so it would have been probably a better hire. <laughs> exactly, right. So my concern as we go forward, and yes, there are six weeks to go, and it could turn around as it did last year, but uh, I'm not counting on it. And if it does not turn around, then... My concern is because of the COVID financial realities that all athletic programs are facing, this makes what would be an otherwise obvious decision a little bit tougher. And bringing him back for one extra year and losing, um, just feeling, just thinking how far uh, back you could fall in terms of personnel with that extra year, that's scary. Well, and and that's, I mean, we're going to have this conversation because how can you not have this conversation? So I am not saying Lovey Smith today is going to be fired, but he has to, I think he needs to improve. And I agree with you that should he have a third swing at coordinators, um, you know, after Garrick McGee and Hardy Nickerson didn't work, okay, you try something else, right? That didn't work out. Everyone to pull out of Garrick McGee. Right. Hardy Nickerson was like, oh, that's a big name. And it's a Lovey Smith's defense anyway. Maybe he'll recruit well. Well, those things didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Then Rod Smith in year three is struggling. I like Rod personally, but he is struggling. Right. Uh, and then Lovey named himself defense coordinator and hired his son. OK, you, you have to own that. And it's not working out right now. It did last year. It is not working out at this moment and long term for you so far. So do you give him a third swing at that? Listen, I think Josh Whitman showed 
that he will fire somebody that he likes, right, with John Gross. He really liked John Gross and really wanted him to succeed. But he said that day when he fired him that 10 years can turn into 30 years. And we'll look back, and if we don't act like we're bigger than we are or that we're as big as we think we can be and make a move and try to be better, then we're going to regret that in decades, right? And we're going to be at the bottom of the Big Ten still. So when Lovey Smith was hired, took over an unbelievably hard task, right? A program that was in turmoil in the hole, financially just couldn't compete with everybody. And Lovey Smith has given them at least a facility, at least some respectability as a CEO, right? But his winning percentage in the Big Ten is 20.5%, okay? Tim Beckman's was 16.7%. And that's not what... Whitman said when he hired Lovey Smith, we want to be perennial conference contenders. Year five, you should start seeing some contention. I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to beat Wisconsin for a Big Ten title, but you should be in the conversations that Purdue was in, which is 14 and 15 with Jeff Brom in the Big Ten. You should be in the conversation with P.J. Fleck, who went 11 and 2 last year, is 13 and 17 in the Big Ten. Heck, even Tom Allen is 12 and 18. In the Big Ten, all those guys were hired around the same time that Lovey Smith was. So even if you take out the first couple of years, Lovey Smith is six and fifteen in the Big Ten, the last three years. And right now, your team—you mentioned the third down stat. Twenty-one of thirty-five opposing teams are on that. Uh, you're losing games, seventy-nine first downs to forty-nine first downs at this point. You are yeah. right now the worst team in the Big Ten statistically. That's not where you're supposed to be. So <laughs> I, I think Josh Whitman, finances are a big issue, right? But there's also that's a short-term issue that is going to take a long time to dig out of. But there's also real long-term implications of not making a move now if you need to. Like if you go another year and you're bad and attendance is down and recruiting is down, that all of a sudden has a multi-year effect uh, on what your program can do. So Josh Whitman's smart. Uh, Josh Whitman knows what's going on. And uh, I, I think he definitely, you know, people talk about Whitman. How many hires does he get? Listen, he gets another hire here. Um, but I think he's smart enough to, to read where this program is at. It's, it's on paper, right? It's on paper at this point of what it is. I think few Illini fans, if any, would begrudge him for making that move back in 2016. Because if you tell me that Lovey Smith is available and you got the resources to get him, I jump at that 99 times out of 100 if not 100 out of 100. That was a big-time hire, and it got you some recognition right away. And it brought respect back to the program, which you mentioned. We were sorely lacking in that sort of a respectable CEO type, as nice as Bill Cubitt was, and uh, well, Tim Beckman, whatever. But, you got credibility uh, with the hire, right? Yeah, absolutely. You certainly did. But unfortunately, you know, the worst-case scenario with Lovey, I was reflecting on how I knew from the outset this was not probably going to be a guy that was going to be super active in the community, that was going to go to all the quarterback club meetings and do the coachy coach stuff, right? I, I figured that was the case, but I thought to myself, if he's winning enough games, I don't care, right? Well, not only are you not getting to that benchmark, you're actually achieving at about the level of a Tim Beckman. And unfortunately, uh, it's scary to think that at the end of this era, whenever it may come, you may be in worse position in terms of personnel on your roster than you were what he inherited. That remains to be seen, and I, I, that would certainly be the case in 2022, more so than next year. That's why I think that when it comes to the long-term viability of this program, if there's not a drastic change in the next six games, Josh's hand is forced, and I think that we're fortunate the buyout 
for all intents and purposes, is manageable. Yeah, but it won't it, require some outside help for them to be able to do that. For for people who who have asked, so many people ask. It's two million plus the rest of the year, which would probably be at two and a half million. It would end up being what it is, which is very manageable in normal times, right? Um, mm-hmm. Now these aren't normal times, but and, and Illinois is in a lot of debt, so I don't know. But again, there's there's a lot of cost if you don't do it, right? If you don't do it, say you go one in eight and you don't do it. Um, there is a lot of long-term costs uh, to the program. That, and, and to be honest with you, Josh Whitman, if he, if he made that move, say they go one in eight carp, it'd be a very popular move by a very popular athletic director. If he doesn't make that move, he loses some cachet, I think. Um, and I think he knows that too. So, um, you know, you could sell, hey, this didn't work out. It was a big swing for the fences, but we're in a better position foundation-wise, facilities-wise, roster-wise. we got more talent, but now we need the guy to take us to the next level. Again, the caveat, let's see what happens the rest of the season. But Carper, is there anything you could see the rest of the season? Because most people have <laughs> no, jumped off. No. It, but if they say, say they get four wins out of six, are you back on or is it just like, oh, he's going to be back? Like, what, what if that happened? I don't think it happens, but what if that happened? If you would ask me the same thing last year when they were two and four, I would have said, well, I don't even even need to broach that because it's not going to happen. Right. So, of course, there's a possibility that they do. Uh, I don't think they will, but let's just say they do. Let's say they do. I, I don't know what it would take at this point. You know, if they go four and five, that means they won four of their last six. And I would have, have a to win, see what that would look like. Have a couple wins you're not expecting, whether it's Iowa or Northwestern or you know, Nebraska. Like, you would feel di- – like I said it last year, you would feel different if that happens and – I don't think it happens, but if it does, we're having a different conversation. We would be, but I think that is also not factoring in the other things that you would for most coaches, and that would include recruiting. And the four-year recruiting, yes, the transfer portal has been very beneficial for Lovey. If there is that rule change in the NCAA, even more so. He could really you know, make some hay in that, but you're seeing that that sort of model has some inconsistencies as well because they got new pieces. They got the Daniel Matterbebes and the Luke Fords and the Roderick Perrys, and that's all great. But you're finding that that sort of template, for whatever reason, is not amounting to this cohesive unit on the field. Mm -hmm. And that speaks more to more systemic issues with the coaching than simply recruiting and simply wins and losses. I I don't think we'll be put in that position where we have to think about a hypothetical. My nightmare scenario, though, I say nightmare, that's a little bit hyperbole, (laughs) but let's say they go three and six, meaning three and three in the last six, 500 record in the last six. But COVID played a part. Right. And then all of a sudden that's viewed as progress simply because the first three games you were so bad. And it makes last year all the more frustrating because you had that month. And unfortunately, as time goes on, it feels like that's the aberration. We're talking about a full calendar year since your last win. And not only have you lost the six games since then, but I would argue the best of the lot was the first of those six losses at Iowa. And the rest of them have been very... Yeah, love the rest, that game. rest of them have been very uninspiring to straight out bad. And that's not a, a good trend line. And it doesn't give me a lot of faith for this team with the schedule that they have remaining, winning ga- winnable games or not, that they would be able to rattle off four out of six. You have been uncompetitive in 11 of 12 quarters, right? For the most part. I mean, we could pick apart, produce second quarter. You you know scored a touchdown, got a field yeah. goal. Like, so I, I guess you can go 10 to 12 or whatever it is. But you've been uncompetitive. Um, and that that's not good enough. It's simply not good enough. Lovey Smith knows it. Josh Whitman knows it. All those players know it. Everybody associated with it knows it. Now the question is, can you turn it around and turn it around enough that gives you confidence long term and you know um, to see what Josh Whitman does here. But 
there's not much. I mean, this week, Cart, you're heading to Rutgers as an underdog. And as I said, I don't know if Isaiah Williams is going to have enough practices to, to play. So probably Karan Taylor again, unless Matt Robinson is healthy. And I just don't know like if it matters because Brandon Peters could have been the quarterback against Minnesota. And you might have gotten into a little bit of a shootout, but I don't think it's changing the outcome of that game. No, look at the Rutgers game last year when you didn't have Greg Schiano on the sidelines. And at the end of the first half, I think you were up by a three. A score. You were up by a score, I think. And then the second half, you got some defensive touchdowns to really stretch tied. that. Out. I think it was like 10 to 10 in that it game. It might have been. I mean, for, for context, my dad and I went out back to the lots and said, we're just watching on TV. We're, we were actually, I mean, think about We were agitated at, at halftime thinking, ah, oh, this is the same old, same old with Lovey Smith. Yeah. And that was a really bad Rutgers team. But now they have an actual coach. And it's. It's scary. It is the kind of game where I know Rutgers talent wise is not far and away better than you are, but it does feel as if when we go into that game on Saturday, they'll be ready. And I have no faith that Illinois will be. And because of that, it just seems like the kind of perfect storm where Rutgers could run away with a game like that and effectively put a nail in the season in week four. Yeah, um, it was 10 to 10, by the way. And, and, that, and it was uh, let's just break it down simplistically, right? The record's not good enough compared to your Big Ten peers. You go into every game feeling like your team won't be as prepared as the other team right now. You go into every game thinking, even if we have the same talent as Purdue or Rutgers or whatever it is, are they going to be used well enough right, um, to, to win a game? That's a problem. That, that, that's simplistic, and it seems like the answer at the end of the season will be simplistic if that continues, and it should be. Yeah, I would think so. At the end of the day, uh, this might actually be beneficial for Josh Whitman in making a decision that we're seeing it this early. You know, there's six weeks left in the season. I don't know what back channels he has to go through to get, whether it be the money for the buyout or actually start getting feelers out to who your next coach may be. I haven't even thought about what my coaching list would be because I didn't anticipate in week three we'd have to do that. And I'm yet it is. Asked. <laughs> I started but one last year after Minnesota, and now I got to start thinking about it after Minnesota again. How many of those guys are still on the table? How oh, many of them plenty. got scooped up? Yeah, plenty. The, the one I think okay. would change a lot would be Fickle, right? Because I, I don't think yeah. you're getting there. No, that's not going to happen. But you know what? That's that's okay. I, there has to be. Whether, look at Tom Allen. That was not a hire that probably got the people in Bloomington super excited about it. And I don't know if the hire that Josh Whitman would be able to make is going to get as much attention, certainly, as the Lubby Smith hire did. Right. But there has to be somebody. I keep thinking that, you know, Illinois football history would not suggest that there is a guy for Illinois football, but eventually the law of averages would state that you will get somebody that can actually lead you to some consistency. Well, and sometimes you take the, no doubt, like the, the easy, simple name, right? And, and last time I thought that was PJ Fleck or Jeff Brom. Mm -hmm. I, I thought, or Dino Babers. Like th those are three guys in 2016 when Josh Whitman got here. I'm like, those guys would make a lot of sense. And all of them have had some kind of success. I know Babers has struggled here recently, but um, all those guys were college coaches, right? And, and I think you're, you're seeing that Lovey Smith obviously had a rough transition to this level. All right, Carp, before I let you go, uh, basketball season is two weeks away. I, I tweeted out that picture soon with, with State Farm Center all lit up. Top 10 preseason team, you got one. Number eight uh, today listed out there and two preseason All-Big Ten players, Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn. Take me in. How does this compare to how you felt going into 0405? Hmm. Uh, it stinks that we can't have the buildup in terms of, you know, midnight madness, right. things like that. Then the normal rounds of, you know, building up the hype and anticipation. But Exhibition games I, where they win by 50. Yeah. <laughs> right. So because of that, you know, there is a more muted kind of reaction. I see the rankings come out today. Of course, I'm excited. I got to admit, this is total sour grapes. 
But of course, Wisconsin's seven. Of course they are. Why? How? How does this happen? But regardless, with this Illinois team, compared to 0405, we knew that team would be good. I did not think they'd necessarily be number one, but they were going to be top five. I think they were ranked five, actually, to begin that year. At number eight, it's a position that I like because I do think that this team, for the return of Iowa and Kopi, there are still a few question marks. I think at the wing position, you got to get some proven production out of that without Alan Griffin. That is still a big loss. Andres Feliz is still a big loss. So you need to find a way to make that up. But I love the early season opportunities, presumably against uh, Baylor. And then, of course, at Duke, ranked number nine, I believe. And we will know fairly early on uh, if this team is a legit top 10 team. I think they'll split those games. I think we'll feel pretty good going into the Big Ten season. And it's one of those things that uh, the excitement is clearly there. But just sort of like football season, the night that they played against Wisconsin, it's not really going to hit, I don't think, until the first tip-off. Whether that's the multi-team event, if that's still going to happen Thanksgiving weekend or however that shakes out. And and I think losing those opportunities early, whether they are these stupid exhibition games or, or, you know, uh, not as many cupcakes early, I think the team could use those because, as you said, there's, there's some changes to the team. I know a lot's back. But Adam Miller, Andre Curbelo, Jacob Grandison could probably use those games. But everybody is dealing with that, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it's not a huge excuse for Illinois. All right, Carl, yeah, well, I- because Oh, sorry. I was just going to say because of Iowa and Kofi, that alone compared to, let's say, Duke, that's, yeah. I think, replenishing a lot on their roster. I love the fact you're playing them early in the season. Well, you would anyways. But I love the fact it's like week three. And at that point, you should still be the more prepared, uh, more cohesive team than Duke. All right, Carp, I got to go talk to Lovey Smith, Rod Smith, and some Illinois players. Well, have fun with that. Give them, give them my uh, <laughs> greetings and salutations. We'll do. See you, Carp. <laughs> we'll see you, Jeremy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're, uh, we've lost three games this year, and uh, we don't feel good about it at all. Um, and we know that we can, we can play better football. So we're just really anxious to get this bad taste out of our mouths and uh, – you know, you're really disappointed when it's the last game of the year. We got a lot of football left to go. We have a great opportunity this week. We're going to take advantage of it. That's Lovey Smith, Illinois football coach, who met with the media earlier today, right after I recorded the podcast with Carp. And uh, he talked a little bit about Rayvon Bonner, who entered the transfer portal and told Shannon Ryan of the Chicago Tribune uh, they didn't feel welcome back, uh, that uh, he would maybe have a role there at Illinois, didn't feel welcome back. Lovey Smith fought against that, and and he said, you know, that's not the way we treat players. But he did say that 
when a player has a four-year scholarship, they basically come together and decide, hey, do you want to come back and do we have a role for you? And basically it seems like Rayvon Bonner does not have that for Illinois. So it seems like there's a little bit of truth there. Lovey Smith I don't think is very happy. Rayvon Bonner said that uh, to the Chicago Tribune. Uh, but at the end of the day, Rayvon Bonner won't be back for a fifth season. And I think he probably would have been the third or fourth running back this year and uh, probably the same. Uh, but obviously you don't like to see, especially if you're Lovey Smith, uh, a player say that uh, about your program. So that, that's not a positive optic, obviously, with Illinois struggling as it is. Uh, today, Lovey Smith, I did ask him about the players returning from quarantine. Brandon Peters will not be back until Nebraska. I heard he could travel, actually, with the team uh, because he's kind of passed his quarantine or will be able to pass through his quarantine this week. But um, he's still got to go through the week that the Big Ten has basically said for for cardiac screening and all of that, which I know some people think is way too much. And, hey, legitimately, if you feel that way. Uh, but uh, he's got one more week before he can actually return on the field for Illinois at Nebraska. And I would expect him uh, to start that game. But some other key players are coming back. Doug Kramer, the starting center. Uh, Jordan Slaughter, a backup offensive lineman. That offensive line will be back to its full strength. Again, Keith Randolph, a defensive end, which could be important uh, if Isaiah Gay misses another game here. Uh, so some key players there, Shimon Cooper, linebacker. And, of course, backup quarterback Isaiah Williams, and I asked Lovey Smith when those guys can actually start practice because we started hearing about these positive tests on Thursday of the week that they tested positive, of course. So I didn't know if that would be Monday or can they not start practice till Thursday. Lovey Smith said they start practice Wednesday and he's actually moved back the date of when they start practice this week uh, so that they can get in as many practices with those guys who are quarantined as possible. So that leaves open the possibility that Maybe they're getting that extra day, and so Isaiah Williams can get the snaps. Karan Taylor really struggled as, as a passer. Not the only reason. Um, the offensive line didn't block all that well, but Karan Taylor did not have a good day. Um, he ran the ball well, but did not see the field well, didn't make great decisions. So it's interesting to see, will Isaiah Williams get those first-team reps? Will Rob play two quarterbacks? He, was, he didn't love that idea, though. Isaiah Williams would probably be one of the players, if he did rotate quarterbacks again, uh, that could be involved there. Alex Palcheski said today that Karan Taylor's really taken a great leadership role the last couple weeks. So that's probably the biggest storyline here. But Lovey Smith also said that there could be some personnel changes. And I'm going to break down some of those possibilities later this week. Listen, I know that uh, Illinois fans are, are basically checking out here, uh, but Lovey Smith's got to figure out something uh, to, to change the tide here uh, so that they can kind of repeat what they did last year, which was come back from a two – a big deficit. It wasn't too big of a deficit to get to a bowl game. It was a big deficit early on. 0-3 in the Big Ten. They find a way to win four games in a row. Really changed the narrative of the season. It really changed the narrative and, and really trajectory thought of where the program could go. Uh, but they got to do that again. That's a Herculean task. But they do get some players back and some talent back. And Lovey Smith seemed pretty optimistic still about what his team can accomplish knowing uh, they have to make some big changes here. The expectations that we had I think we had them for a reason. Um, but it's like you're in a game and you don't start the game off the way you, you thought you would or you would like. But there's still so much football left to go before you determine the winner. That's how we see it right now. Last year, we were disappointed uh, with a third, uh, the third game of the season. We lost a game. We were very disappointed. Then 
the next week we had a 14 point lead late on Nebraska. So we know how to turn it around. And that's what we're looking to, not our expectations before. Where we are right now, there has been disappointment, but the game ain't over, the season ain't over, and we need to play football starting, our best football starting this week, and I think we will. That's how I'm seeing it. Yeah, there's disappointment, but, you know, to me, you take a, you say you took a step back after you look at what happened during the season. I mean, you don't judge games based on just how you start. There's disappointment. There are some reasons for the disappointment, the reason why – we play, we play a certain way uh, on some of the games. But as we go forward, I just know this is what we know. We're getting our guys back. And sometimes you need to be shocked a little bit too. And when you are really disappointed, when you're really disappointed, you kind of see, you know, step up. And that's what we're hoping to see, not hoping to see. That's what we're going to see this week. Guys are going to step up. We don't like where we are. We don't like the position we're in right now. But there's time to do something about it. And that's on Lovey Smith and his staff and the players to figure that all out. They have an opportunity at Rutgers, but as we were talking about with Carp, that is an improved team. Uh, it's not going to be an easy win over Rutgers, which is the only program Lovey Smith has a winning record against during his tenure, the only Big Ten program. Uh, so they have to figure it out. This is the turning point of if there's going to be a turning point. It's got to be Rutgers-Nebraska. Those are two games in a row that we thought were very winnable coming into the season. Right now, they are seven-point underdogs to Rutgers, the last I checked, and they would definitely be underdogs against an 0-2 Nebraska team on the road as well. So we'll see where they go from here. For the latest on Illini football, and for most of you probably more interested in, Illini basketball as we count down under two weeks almost until the season starts, under a month until Illinois plays at Duke in a top 10 possible matchup. Uh, we'll have the latest at IlliniInquire.com as always. If you want to sign up for VIP, now's a great chance. A dollar for the first month. Try us out. I think you'll really, really like it. Going to have some pieces later this week, including that uh, when I was kind of teasing there about some possible changes they can make uh, to the lineup or to personnel this week. Always appreciate listening to the podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, review us. We appreciate that. Everybody take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.